if you are ever driving past a bar and there's a fight in the parking lot, I can pretty well guarantee you that fight did not start in the parking lot. Rather, the fight started inside the bar and spilled out into the parking lot. You need to know that. It's important. Of course, now the question is, Pastor, how do you know that? <laughs> Very simple answer. When I was a child, I watched Gunsmoke, the old Western, with my grandmother. Those of you who don't know what Gunsmoke is, go home and look it up on YouTube, and you can watch every episode that ever existed. But for those of you who do know about Gunsmoke, you remember in Gunsmoke, it took place in the Wild West, and in the town, there was a saloon. And it's almost every episode, it seems, that there would be some argument in the saloon over a woman or a card game or both, and a fight would ensue. The fight would start inside the bar. However, the fight would spill out into the street. Happened every time, almost. It brings up an important truth in life. And that important truth is what happens outside begins inside. What happens outside begins inside. And it's true in our relationships as Christians as well. In fact, James in chapter 4 puts it this way. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. First, we need to note that James here is not talking about disagreements that Christians have with non-Christians. What he's talking about here, fights and quarrels that Christians have with other Christians. So, where do these fights and quarrels come from? Do you remember when you were a child and if you had a, a friend over or maybe it was your brother and sister and, and you would get in some kind of disagreement or argument or fight and your mother would come in to try to break it up and say, what's going on? And you would always point at the other person and say, they started it. Yes, they started it. That was always the response. They started it. And usually the other person would say, no, they started it. Well, what James does is James takes the they started it off the table. Because what James says is that these battles and these fights and these quarrels that we have with our fellow believers, James says they start with desires that battle within you. In other words, James is saying what happens outside begins inside. And where we like to point the finger of blame at someone else and say, well, it's what they said or what they did to me or, or the way their attitude. You know, we always point at someone else. But James is saying that's off the table. Because any disagreement, any quarrel, any argument that you might have with a fellow believer, James says, starts in you. It doesn't matter what the other person did. It starts in you. 
And more specifically, he's, ta- he's talking about a war that's going on inside of you, a war that's going on inside of you that spills out. Now, what kind of war could that be? Well, very simply, what James is talking about is it's a war that goes on inside of us between godly desires and between our own selfish desires. In other words, our selfish desires for our own pleasure are in conflict with God's will. And just like that bar fight, those battles that start on the inside of us spill out into our relationships with other believers. Now, I won't lie to you. I like it when things in life slant my way. I like that. I like it when the outcome that I desired actually happens. I like it when people agree with my point of view. I like it when I receive some kind of assignment that I really wanted in life or have an opportunity to participate in something that I really wanted to be a part of. I won't lie to you. I like that. But I would also think that most of you are the same way. Most of you like it when things go your way. I mean, who in the world sits at home hoping things, hoping things will go against them? Who wakes up in the morning saying, Man, I hope things go against me today. Nobody does that. I mean, nobody sits around hoping that their dreams won't come true. Nobody sits around hoping that they'll be overlooked for a promotion or some kind of honor. Nobody sits around every day hoping that their opinions will always be in the minority. Nobody does that. But you and I both know that things don't always go our way. We don't always get what we want. Somebody always has it better than we have it. Decisions are not always in our favor. Some things are always out of our grasp. And people don't always see things the way we see them. And when that happens, that's when the battle within us begins. That battle between what God really wants for our lives and what we think we want for our lives that will bring pleasure to our lives. And a key point in all of this is that selfish desires lead to wrong actions. Because a lot of times when you want something so bad that you can't have, sometimes when you want it so bad, what you'll do is you'll kill anything that gets in your way to having it. Doesn't matter if it kills a relationship, doesn't matter if it kills a marriage, doesn't matter if it kills a friendship. You'll do anything to go after it. Also, every, every discussion always has to end up with a winner and a loser. You even jump to conclusions before, and say things before you really know all the facts. Or you might downplay the success of someone else. Or you might ignore needs while you dispute opinions. You know what I'm talking about. It happens. It happens in your relationship with believers in the church. It happens in your relationship with believers in life. It happens with your relationship with believers at work. It happens with your relationship with believers at home. You know what I'm talking about. Because things don't always go our way. But then James makes an interesting statement. 
He says that we don't have things because we don't ask. And most everybody I know will say, well, wait a minute. No, that, that's not right. Because I ask God for things all the time. I am always telling God what I need in my life or what I want in my life. I am always coming to God and asking for things that will make my life better. So don't tell me that I'm not asking for things. What in the world is James talking about? Well, James is making another point. Because not only does selfish desire lead to wrong actions, but selfish desires lead to wrong praying. Lead to wrong praying. Now, James acknowledges that people are praying. He says you're praying. He acknowledges that. But he says that they're praying with the wrong motives. And that happens to us as well. So what is a wrong prayer? Well, any prayer where we are just praying for things that will bring us pleasure or things that will make our life easier. In other words, we seek God's blessings and, and the things from God so we can, can have a better life, so we can have more pleasure, so we can have more comfort, so we can have more recognition, so we can have more things in life. But James says God's not going to give us those things because God knows that we're asking for selfish reasons and he knows that we're just going to take those things if he gives them to us and go out and squander them. But what is the right motive? What is the right motive for prayer? The right motive for prayer is if somebody needs something or, or wants something from God, that prayer needs to be for something that is going to bring glory to God. Now, God is glorified when we walk closely with Him. God is glorified when we honor and praise Him. But if we want anything from God then we have to want something that is going to bring glory to God's name. Now, selfish desires and, and wrong praying fuel that battle that goes on inside of us. And when we pray just for things that are going to bring us some pleasure, then James says that's wrong. You need to pray for things that are going to bring glory to God and grow his kingdom. If you think about it, you might pray for a million dollars so that you can retire and, and move to the Caribbean and live comfortably. Well, according to James' thing, that would be the wrong reason because all you're doing is praying. You're not praying for anything that's going to bring glory to God. You're praying for something that's going to make your life really, really nice. But on the other hand, if God has called you to a ministry, if he has called you to maybe plant a ministry, plant a church, build a church, build, do something that will build up the kingdom, if God has really put that in your heart and God is really directing you and calling you into that direction, then there's nothing wrong with praying for, for the money and the finances that will be needed to help you fulfill God's purpose and bring glory to his name. That's the difference that James is talking about. Well, again, what happens outside begins inside. And so James gets really to the heart of the issue of wrong desires and wrong prayers. In verse 4 and 5, he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says, without reason, that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Adulterous people is a pretty strong word. 
And it really got the attention of the people in James' day. And it really should get our attention because he's talking about us. Adulterous. Is, is James saying that, that we're out running around with someone who's not our spouse? No, what James is talking about here is the believer that's running around and cheating on God. It, it describes a believer who really wants to, to have a relationship with God, but at the same time wants to have an affair with the world. And we can identify with this because sometimes we'll say, well, we, we really want to follow God. We really want a relationship with God, but we also want to be flexible with God's truth that we find in his word. Or we really want to follow God, but we kind of want to be tolerant of sin. Or we really want to follow God, but we put a higher value on material things in our lives than we do on spiritual things in our relationship to God. We have two distinct affections, but those two affections are, are opposites. And James says, if you try to do both, if you try to say that you love God, but then you have an affair with the world, James is saying, look, you're an enemy of God. He doesn't just say God disapproves. He says that you're an enemy of God. I remember years ago it was... Uh, I was talking to a guy, didn't, didn't know him, never met him. And for some reason, he just decided to open up and tell me about his life. And he was sharing with me about his, his marriage that, that went bad. And he had just recently got a divorce. And, and he was really going through a difficult time. And it's, at one point, he said to me, he said, you know, she just doesn't understand. He said, I told her, he said, honey, it's not that I don't love you. It's, I love all women. And he was serious. He was serious. But see, that, that's kind of what, what we do. Is we say, hey, God, God, I, I, I love you. I love you, God. But I also love all these other things, too. And just like this guy's wife didn't understand, God doesn't understand that either. Because God jealously longs for us to be faithful to him alone. He's a jealous God. God does not understand when we share affection for him with someone else or with something else. He's a jealous God because this God has put a spirit inside of believers. And he is jealous for their affection and for their friendship. And to try to share it according to James. Is not to be a friend of God, but rather to be an enemy of God. So what's the solution? How do we get this peace inside of us? And, and how do we repair these relationships with God and this, or relationships with other people and our relationship with God? What, what do we do? If we found ourselves in this where we're always quarreling and fighting with our fellow believers and if we're constantly trying to share our affection with God, with, with the world, what, what do we do? What's the solution? Well, James offers the solution. Because again, what happens outside begins inside. It's not that we're just going to be able to say, hey, let's just all get along. You know, if you're having difficulty with someone, James has shown us that the difficulty starts in you. And just to do some surface, let's just all get along kind of thing is not the solution. Because again, 
outside begins inside. Here's what he says in verse 6. He says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? There's a lot there. There's a lot in those verses. And, and I hope that you've been following along our, our reading plan in James, where every Friday you read the scripture uh, for the Sunday that's coming up and spend some time uh, writing down your thoughts or sharing them with us or, or meditating on them. There's a lot here. And even though this is the scripture for this week, I'm hoping maybe even next week you'll pull out this portion of this scripture and really look at it and dissect it and really go through it to see what it has to say to you. But what I want to do today is I want to give you a one-line summary of what this says. What James says here is to lose your pride and come back to God. That's what he's saying. Lose your pride and come back to God. If you want peace in your heart, then you have to lose your pride and come back to God. If you want peace with fellow Christians, then you need to lose your pride and you need to come back to God. That's the solution. That's the solution. Again, what happens outside begins inside, and it begins inside of you. Here's what he says. He gives a plan. He says, first of all, that you need to submit. The idea that you need to live lives that are committed to knowing the will of God, but also to doing the will of God. Submission involves both. It involves knowing God's will, but it also involves doing God's will. And then he says to resist. And what he's talking about here is that if we really want to be serious about our relationship with God, then we need to quit playing games with the devil. We do. We like to, to say we love God, but then we like to, on the side, we like to play around uh, with the devil and the things that are of the devil. But the devil is the one that really we should be at war with and not with our fellow believers. And as long as we're playing around with the devil instead of resisting him, then what we're actually doing is we're fueling that fire and warring with our fellow believers. Then he says to come or to draw near. And as we draw near to God, this wonderful thing happens because the closer we come to him, the closer he comes to us, and the more we are around him, the more we become like Jesus Christ himself. And the more our selfish character is replaced by his holy character. We have to draw near to him, and he will draw near to us. But then James says, we need to humble ourselves. A truly humble person has turned from their sin. A truly humble person is someone who has seen himself as he really is in the sight of God. And after he has seen himself as he really is, and not who he thinks he is, he's the person who has repented of his sin 
And he is the person who is committed to following Jesus, not just as a, a friend or not just as someone who's interesting, but to follow Jesus as the Lord of his life. The great thing about this passage is, James says, when we humble ourselves, he says, a great thing happens. There's a great promise. He says, as we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. You see, it's not God's desire at all to put us down. God doesn't put us down. It's sin that leads us to sorrow and sin that leads to death and sin that leads to destruction and sin that leads to all this war that's going on inside of us. It's not God's desire to put us down. God's desire is to lift us up. And God delights in lifting up those who will humble themselves before him. People who are at war with themselves because of their selfish desires are miserable people. They're miserable because they'll never get what they really want. So there's that war going on inside. Often what they want is different from God, what God wants. So that causes a war inside. Often people are looking for that really just that special thing to come along that will change their life. But it's not a special thing that's going to come along and change your life, but, but humbling yourselves is what's going to change it. But they're always searching for something on the outside. Those people are absolutely miserable. They're miserable with themselves. They're miserable with God. They're miserable with their relationships with other believers. But the solution is to humble yourself. When you submit and resist and come near and humble yourself before God, the war that's raging in you gives way to the power and the peace that Christ can bring. And then what spills over to the outside instead of fights and quarrels is love and joy and peace and unity. Because what happens outside begins inside imagine what your life would be like just imagine how different it would be imagine how your your life would be with your fellow believers imagine what a difference it would make in your church imagine what a difference it would make in your relationships if if we could get over this they started it they did it them 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 and realize that it's us that until we take care of what's inside of us, nothing is ever, ever going to change on the outside of us. It's a big challenge, but it's possible. And God, through James, has given us the way to do it if we'll just follow. Because remember, what happens outside begins inside. Let's pray.